Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. It will determine the outcome of this season for the next five years and beyond before a down is ever played. Welcome to the Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special, live on 6abc.com from Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Let's go, Philly. Let's get this draft show underway. Live from Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City, E-A-G-L-E-S. Yes, the countdown is on to draft day one. Two, we like that too. Two days until the Eagles get on the board at number 15, or will they? We'll discuss it the next couple days here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Your buddies McDonald and McMullen, a.k.a. Mac and Mac, here to chop it up with you. Uh, J-Mac, two days and counting. I- I'm getting a little nervous for uh, the Eagles, for all the teams, because it's a huge day for uh, all 32 teams in the National Football League. Eagles a little more so than others because – They've got two first-round picks, and the question is, how active will Monty Hall, a.k.a. Howie Roseman, be? We know he likes to wheel and deal on draft day. Does this draft set up for Howie to do his best wheeling and dealing stuff? Uh, Well, I don't know, because he already did some of that pre-draft, so I think that's in the rearview mirror. Uh, I do think there's a couple players he would like to do the targeted move up, if necessary, sort of like last year with Devontae Smith, but this team has multiple needs and multiple positions we've talked about. I think they need uh, the two first-round picks. I think they need the second-round pick. I think they need to two third round picks. So I, I do think if he wants to move around, you know, and, and make that targeted move up, I think maybe he has to move down at 18 to get back and, and do a lot of um, sort of manipulating of the board more than gaining or losing draft picks, if that makes sense. I think he needs all the picks in those first two days. But if you can swing it and get players you want, in other words, if they have to go up to get a player, and they have four or five on the board, and they can go down, I think it would be more comfortable. But it, that's tough to pull off in the first round. We'll see how it goes. But they should be able to get a good player at 15 if they stand pat. Um, you just start doing the math. The more quarterbacks go, the better. Um, yeah. 
this last couple of days is driving me insane, Jody, as I get text after text about, oh, this team's interested in this. Chris Alabe in Washington is now a big deal, um, which I didn't see coming. Um, and that's a player I think that would have been heavily in play for the Eagles at 15. And I, I couldn't imagine uh, that he wouldn't be there. Now maybe he won't be there. Um, but, you know, the good, you know, maybe Garrett Wilson is there if Chris Olave isn't. So you can look at it that way. Um, a lot of fun. And, you know, maybe it takes your Philadelphia's mind off freaking out uh, about the Sixers for 10 <laughs> minutes. Uh, so hopefully we can, we can do that for you this morning. But, um, it, you know, it, it, they should be able to get a, get a good player at 15. Uh, not as confident as 18. Um, but Howie thinks it's 20 deep, so we'll see. All right. I'm going to run down a list of nine players for you. Make note of these. If you can just remember them fine, if you got to jot them down, please do so. And then I'll have a specific question about them. Here are the nine players I'm looking at. Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, Jordan Davis, Zion Johnson, N'Kobe Dean, Gerald Wilson, Kyle Hamilton, Derek Stingley, Terry McBride, and Will Cord. I, I won't even put the, the, the quarterback into the mix. Those, to me, are the number one ranked players at their positions for this upcoming draft. We'll leave Matt Areza out of it, too. We won't put the punters in. But those are at the nine key positions, the top players in the draft. Tell me the Eagles are going to get at least one of those guys. Hmm. Perhaps Jordan Davis. That would be the only one I could see them uh, getting. Um, outside, I would say another outside chance for Derek Stingley Jr. Um I'm going to give you a list that I, these are the names over the past couple of days. I'm hearing most of the Eagles. Now this is not in order. Um, Jordan Davis, um, Chris Olave, who I mentioned, Jamison Williams, who I think is less likely by the day. Um, Derek Stingley Jr. I think you would have to trade up. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, you would certainly have to trade up. I think even though, Somebody had him dropping into the 20s yesterday. I kind of went, oof, I, I'm not getting that feeling. Um, Devontae Wyatt, who I think he could stay puts, probably at 18. Lewis Seen, which was an interesting one to me. I think that would be a drop-down uh, situation from 18, dropping down later in the draft. And then the center from Nebraska, there is heavy chatter, but that's more of a second, second round pick. And, uh, but there is heavy, heavy chatter on the Eagles with Cam Jurgens. Uh, but that would be more of a second round pick. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. You, you have agents trying to prop up their clients, but there, there are certain guys, and really, Jordan Davis, I mean, Look, the Eagles are doing a hell of a job because everybody in this league thinks they have significant interest in Jordan Davis. I don't know if they can pull it off. I think to me, his his you know, Baltimore's at 14. I think they would take him. So I think you would have to go up 
a little bit. Um, and Derek Stingley, you would certainly have to go up. And I said, I think it was Peter King who had Jermaine Johnson falling into the 20s or later in the draft. Um, I don't, I, I, I think he might go forward to the, to your team, Jody. I, I think that's how high he's going up. And if it's not four, it might be 10, but you know, the Jets want to trade out. Um, so a lot of moving, uh, balls in the air as this comes down, but there are certain guys I think the Eagles would have to go up and get. It's funny that you mentioned the center from Nebraska. I had one of my draft guys on my CBS show um, over the weekend, or maybe it was even all the way back to the previous weekend, who said that they actually ranked Jurgens higher than Tyler Linderbaum, that he was the best center in the draft, um, that Linderbaum, is, as you and I have talked before, because um, too small. the Eagles yeah. always He might not go. even be a first-round pick now. Uh, he's one of those guys where you saw first round, first round, first round, first round, and all of a sudden you wake up uh, for day two and he's still on the board. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I still think he might go late first round, but I think there's a potential uh, he could get pushed to the second round. And you know, Jody, I've been to, I I wouldn't go near. I I mean, I, he's just too small, and everything's got to be perfect. Your technique's got to be perfect. Your fundamentals, everything's got to be perfect. And I just, there's too much margin of error. Right. And he's uh, oftentimes tied to the Eagles because, well, he'll be the perfect natural replacement for Jason Kelsey because Jason Kelsey is also another slightly undersized center. Jason Kelsey is like a unicorn uh, to, to expect someone to come in and be able to do what Jason Kelsey does, like Jason Kelsey does, is kind of wishing on a star. Um, so I don't think the Eagles are a player for Linda Bauman. I'm with you. I think he actually could fall into the second round. Um, oh, by the way, I ran you down a list of nine names, the guys that I think are the top at their positions and asking you if the Eagles can get one. Oh, the Jets are getting two. Jets are going to stay put right where they are, and Thibodeau is going to fall to them at four, and they're going to gobble him up. And then, unfortunately for the Eagles, at least for McMullen and McDonald, Kyle Hamilton will come off the board at 10 to the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So my list of uh, nine players who are the best at their position, I think the Jets are getting two of them at both four and 10. Yeah, I hope for your sake they don't go Jermaine Johnson as the edge rusher. I get some Cleveland Farrell. I think Joe Douglas likes him. Um, but we'll see. But, you know, you can like a player and still like somebody else better. Um, oh, and I like John. If they take Johnson at 10 because they go a different direction at four, I'm okay with that. I like that player as well. I'm hoping that he's sitting on the board at 15 when the Eagles picked. I don't know that the Eagles would take him, but I'd like to see them have a shot. Oh, I, I think he's going to be a really good player. He's just not uh, Thibodeau, who I think is once they go edge pass rusher at four, they're not going edge pass rusher at 10. No, yeah, uh, I, I'm talking Johnson at four. That's how I am talking. That's where Cleveland Farrell went to. Yeah, uh, uh, Farrell uh, was number four overall? He was number four overall. Wow. Yeah. Um, I I get some of those vibes going. Now, they still might go. I See, I think they would be smarter to go Ahmed Gardner at four and get that need off the board and take Johnson at 10 if they're not going to move out. Um, so I'm with you. I'd rather have him at 10 
But if you like the player, you like the player, and you might as well go get the player. Um, and if you're right, none of it matters, obviously. If you're wrong, though, like like Mike Mayak was with Cleveland Farrell, who knows if it was Mike or John Gruden, but you know how it works. Um, you know, it's tough to it's tough to live down, even if you get Max Crosby uh, later. You know, we talk about it all the time. You know, they got Max Crosby. Yeah, but, they you flip, know, flip those two picks. Nobody's complaining. Yeah. Oh, nobody's complaining at all. They got a pretty good role player. You know, they got a star. So um, a lot of it's silly, but that's just the way it is. We talk about it all the time. If you're a first round pick, you better play like a first round pick. Speaking of silly, uh, you mentioned you're garnering information these days. Some of it just going online and reading it. Other guys reaching out to you. You reaching out to other guys to see what they think, what they have. We've had this done every year for X amount of years in a row when it comes to the draft, and that's the season of misinformation. The people want to get certain pieces of information out there to make people believe, like you and me doing a show here, uh, similar shows all around the country to Ooh, this is what this team's doing. Maybe someone from a specific team hears it and says, here's good news. We might not have to trade up and get a guy because this team isn't going to make that kind of a pick. I uh, don't know how much of it works, but I know for a fact it goes on. And all you have to do is go back and, and track it after the draft is over and done with. Some repeat, the Jets are, the Eagles are guaranteed to pick. They're heavy leanings toward this. And then, of course, the guy's on the board and they pass on him. Why? Because there was misinformation that was put out there before the draft happens. How much misinformation do you think is out there this particular year? Uh, oh, a ton of it. That's why you'll never hear me say the Eagles are taking, uh, you know, that's nobody's getting that information. No, they're not. They're not calling up people and saying, you know, Martin Frank and I were joking about it on Twitter. They're not calling up even national guys and saying, hey, we're going to take blah, blah, blah. He's there. They're, they're not. Um, you know, you, you do get information about uh, players that have a, a, a significant interest in. Um, uh, there are people who used to work for the organization that are still very close to the organization that uh, know how they do things, know how they grade players, uh, know where they put, and, you know, even the grade of the players. You know, it's not like they have, okay, so-and-so is a first-round pick. So-and-so is a second-round pick. That's not how they do it. The Eagles do it. They have a database. It's a percentile system. And you sort of stack the board, and it becomes more of, okay, who's available? Who do we like? So you get more of who you like. But anytime you see somebody, and it's generally not the guys who understand how it works, I mean, the, the, the national reports, you're never going to see them saying, oh, so-and-so is going to take blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, it, it doesn't work that way. That's not how NFL teams do the do business unless you're Jacksonville at number one overall. You know, somebody could say, oh, Jacksonville's going to take Icky Aquanu, uh, which I think is more likely by the day. Uh, and, and, you know, they might have that information and they might have because there's only one team. There's only one team guaranteed of getting one player. And then Detroit, the odds are pretty good. They're not going to go Aiden Hutchinson. But even that, um, you know, Malik Willis could jump into it. You know, how much does Detroit like Malik Willis? And, and you know, how quickly do they want to get started? Because they don't have to play him right away. You know, but then there's the pressure we always talk about. 
Now, San Francisco lived through it, and they had a good season, taking a kid in the top five. But there's tremendous pressure when you lose, and Detroit looks like they're going to lose some games, unlike San Francisco, which was in the mix the entire time. So there wasn't as much pressure. So you have all these kinds of things factor into it. Uh, but as far as the Eagles at 15, there's a lot of moving parts when there's 14 picks ahead of you. Playing in your league's championship game, as the 49ers did this year. Yeah, I'd call that being in the mix. That's pretty damn good. So you're right. There isn't pressure to put the uh, highly drafted quarterback in uh, when you're playing that well as a team. You mentioned the national guys. Uh, certainly, Schefter did yesterday and others as well. Putting the narrative out there that more teams are looking to trade back than trade up. Do you believe that was misinformation? That there was actually a couple teams that are no. looking to trade up that want everyone to think that trading up is going to be difficult because everybody's looking to trade down. But that's actually what they want to do. So they want to try and swing the tide. Do you think that was at all a planted story? No, no. There's a lot of teams that want to move down. Um, You're buying that story. Yeah. Um, you know, and some of it is you take the Giants and Jets, you know, fans are all excited. <clears throat> you know, some of it is that you just don't want those two expensive 50-year options looming over your organization in, in down the road. Some of it's just salary cap and some of it you prefer to get a little bit lower, especially if you have similar grades on the board for, for certain players. Um, then it becomes easier. Uh, obviously, Jacksonville would love to trade down right at the start because they don't need a quarterback, but there's no quarterback worthy of number one. So they're kind of stuck. And I have to take that uh, oversized contract at number one overall, perhaps at a position, not perhaps, at a position that's not as valued as as quarterback. So yeah, I think there's a lot of teams that, that want to move down. But to me, it's interesting that that Howie said um, 20, 1 to 20 is basically the Eagles tier. And then 21 to 50 is tier two. So they're 15 and 18. Two questions for you. Number one, if the Eagles were picking 15th and 22nd, do you think Howie would have said, well, we've got about 22 players that we look at with true first round grades, right? I think the 20 was a nice round number and it kept the Eagles in the mix. For yeah, but I don't think picks. here's why, here's why I disagree, Jody. You could be right, but I don't think he did it on purpose. It's one of those off the cuff moments where he probably didn't want to do it and he just blurted it out. And I, I don't think he was, uh, uh, and, and the Eagles are concerned like a lot of teams that, you know, asking how many quarterbacks are going to go, how many quarterbacks are going to go because that, you know, a quarterback's not going to be in that 20. Uh, and if they, you know, if two get drafted, okay, that that enables you to go down to, to 22 in theory. And even that's not, you know, everybody's not going to have the same 20 players. So who knows? You can go down to 23, you can go down to 24, 25. Um, and that just gives you more ability to move up with that 15th pick. And then if you want to move down, in, in, in back of it, as we just talked about, because you want to keep the five overall picks, I would think, in the first three rounds. Yeah, and the other one I, I don't see the same as you is 
the Giants and the Jets and a couple of teams that have two picks in the first round, Eagles included, the fear of having two guys come together at the same time for having to pick up that option. Oh, that's not- real, Jody. Make good picks. Get the right guys. What are you going to do? Go out and pay for a free agent instead? You got to pay for your players, John. You might as well have them in your system for as many years as you can rather than uh, who who came in as the uh, top flight player as a underpaid free agent this year. Well, yeah, you can say you got to pay your players, but um, and, and, and by the way, as you go down, you know, a top five pick is a lot different than 25. So, you know, if you still stay in the first round, you don't have it. I'm, I'm not saying by any stretch that it's the most important parts. Well, you know, that was the Eagles. That was one of the reasons the Eagles didn't want three first-round picks. Uh, and they're more budget-conscious than most. But, you know, smart teams do keep an eye on the budget, is, is all I'm trying to say. Three three is a bit much. I'll give you that. And that's why I thought Howard did a good job by securing a uh, first-round pick uh, going forward in another year. Um, as long as you're not taking quarterback. Because once you get to the quarterback, that fifth-round that fifth-year option goes up pretty significantly, and neither the Jets or the Giants, both of them with uh, two top-ten picks, are taking a quarterback this year anyway. So I think uh, neither neither team will complain about it. I don't think either one is going to, to trade back. I think they're going to sit there and try and add uh, in one team in the division against the Eagles, the Giants, and the Jets being the other one. I think they're just going to try and add four very good young players. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are here with you on Birds 365. We're going to punch up our first guest when we come back. Shane Hallam from DraftCountdown.com going to hop aboard. We got some questions about this upcoming draft, and I was on his site this morning. They are already mocking 2023. I got a question about that as well. Uh, McDonald and McMullen, the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Alright, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. Alright, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. 
again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. McMullen and McDonald, your MAGA Mac guys here on Birds 365, uh, ready to punch up our first guest of the day. It's it's almost Christmas for him. From uh, DraftCountdown.com, Shane Hallam joins us here on Birds 365. How's the countdown going, Shane? That's going well. Like I, I can't wait. You're right. I'm, it's, it feels like Christmas Eve right now. We're just a couple days out. I'm, I'm pumped up. I can't wait for this thing to get started. Uh, well, let's start. Let's start at the start, Shane, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and Trent Bauke spoke earlier this week, said they've whittled it down, whittled it down to four players. Presumably that's Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, and then the two tackles, Icky Iguanu, Eben Neal. Um, are all those players worthy of being in the conversation? to being number one overall? I think in a typical year, none of them would be in that conversation. <laughs> um, that, that I think that's the problem that Jaguars are running into and why this draft provides intrigue because it, I think most years you have a Trevor Lawrence, you have a quarterback at the top, you have a Chase Young, you have that premier pass rusher. We don't have that in this class. I think all those players, all four that you named, have some flags that – um, you know, might limit them. I think Aiden Hutchinson's a really good player, but is he an all pro stud pass rusher? No, you know, he's probably better at setting the edge and using that bull rush to occasionally get to the quarterback. Trayvon Walker, uh, if, if they drafted him in number one, it would be um, since the NCAA started recording sacks in 2000, he would have the least sacks of any edge rusher taken in the top three ever. Um, so, you know, are, is that worth it? He's only started for a year. He didn't get to the quarterback that much, but he has all these uh, physical traits. Then the offensive tackles, it's just consistency. I, I think that's a big problem with Evan Yeo and Ikiakwanu. I think both of them have potential, but might be better guards than tackles. Is that worthwhile? So I, I think I think it's a tough year to be picking one. No one's going to want to go up there, and you have to make a decision to try to figure out, do, do you take the swing for kind of the – potential all pro stud in Trayvon Walker, or do you play it safe? You take Aiden Hutchinson. He's probably going to be a pro bowler for, for 10 years and feel like you have a building block. That's not an elite player. 
Well, quick follow-up before you jump in, Jody. Sorry, because I think it because Georgia makes this difficult, the Georgia defense. I mean, typically, you know, a team's not going to have seven players. I guess it's seven players that's going to be drafted in any draft. They might have seven defenders in the top 65, 70 players. They're so talented on defense. And and Howie Roseman, we're in Philadelphia, he brought up an interesting point about uh, the transfer portal and for teams like Georgia who are so talented, they got to get players on the field or they'll leave. Example being Jermaine Johnson, um, who who started at, at Georgia and transferred uh, to Florida State, and he could be a top 10 pick. Um, so they rotate guys because Jordan, Jordan Davis gets some of these knocks as well. He didn't play a, a large percentage of snaps, but they had so many good players and if Trayvon Walker was at, I don't want to pick on a school, but, you know, insert name of school, and they needed him to rush the passer, he could rush the passer. So isn't a large part of this stuff projection? And, and and you know, do you have to take that kind of thing in the scheme of Georgia, the talent around them into account? You do. I think you have to take it into account. I mean, I remember back in, in 2019 with the Clemson defense was the same thing that the Raiders took Cleveland Farrell at four overall. Yeah. Not a good pick because really the rest of that team made him um, be able to get to the passer and one-on-ones. Um, I think the difference with this Georgia defense, uh, kind of what you said, because of that rotation, because they didn't play those players all the time, um, you know, you start to project and say, well, like you said, you know, if they played somewhere else, they probably would have been better. And none of them really felt like they reached their potential because every game that I watched of Georgia, someone different was making the plays. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, so, so like there's one game where I was like, Oh, I'm Kobe Dean, man, that linebacker. He's so good. He's going to be a first round pick. And then at the national championship, it was Trayvon Walker. He was the guy getting to the quarterback and against some of these rushing teams in the sec, Jordan Davis was a stud. So you have to kind of take that into account too. Maybe none of them actually have reached their potential, but there's probably a good chance one or two of those guys are not as good as they looked. And there are probably a good chance one or two of those guys are better than they looked. Can you figure out who that is? That's, that is a really tough thing to figure out. I think that's why it's controversial that Trayvon Walker's in that number one conversation because there's just a ton of unknowns about his game. Shane, I was on your site uh, before the show started, and not only to look at your projections and your scouting reports for this year's draft, but I love the fact that you're already looking ahead to 2023. When we did this last year, your sites, other sites, a lot of people had Kayvon Thibodeau as the number one pick, not the number one defensive player, the number one overall pick, because we all had our doubts as to whether it was going to be a good quarterback class, and it turned out to be the class that it did. Why isn't Thibodeau in a conversation for the number one pick? I, w- I wish I had a great answer for you because uh, he's my number one player still. He's been our, my number one player in this class since he was in high school. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to change it now. I, I think the issue that the NFL has with him is kind of twofold. One is he's a pass rusher only. Um, you know, he he doesn't set the edge great against the run, right? He's not, he's not as big as Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker. He's not someone that's <laughs> going to set that edge. And so I think teams, you know, if you're going to take a guy, number one, you'll want to have him be able to do both and have the size to do both. I think the second thing is teams are just worried about him being more of a complete human being, that he is, you know, he has interests outside of football. He wants to build his brand up. He, you know, he wants to 
do things outside of the football field. And you know, as well as I do, these NFL coaches and GMs, they, they don't want that. You know, they want you to be able to, this is your life for the next 10, you know, to 15 years, hopefully. And this is what you put all your time and energy into. And that's simply not who Kayvon Thibodeau is. Is that a bad thing? I think it's debatable. Um, I think maybe that, you know, that could be a player that other players look up to and see him have success on and off the field. Um, but I think there are a lot of teams that are going to shy away from that and get scared that, hey, this is someone that doesn't, quote unquote, love football as much as the next guy. I think it's crap, but uh, I think that's why teams are passing on him. And, you know, he might even end up being the fourth pass rusher off the board when all said and done on Thursday. What do you think the, the floor is for those top five uh, pass rushers? So we're talking Walker, we're talking Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and Jermaine Johnson. When, when, can you see any slipping to 15? That's where the Eagles are in the first round of the draft. They have a, a needed edge rusher. Um, I think the David Ojabo injury really hurt them. Uh, he would have been a fifth in that mix. It seems like with NFL teams, at least, George Karloptis has fallen off a little bit. So those top four, Shane, what do you, what do you think when the fourth one comes off the board? Uh, how quickly is it going to happen? I, I think it's going to be quick, unfortunately, for the Eagles. Uh, I, I think 10 is probably the floor for all four. Um, and I'm probably in my final mock draft going to have all four going before the eighth pick. I think eight for Atlanta is a shot to take a Jermaine Johnson or Kayvon Thibodeau if they fall to eight. Um, and I think if not, and the Jets pass on one at four, they'll take one at 10. Um, the Seattle's in play at nine. Like almost all these teams in the top 10 uh, outside of maybe Carolina could use a pass rusher. And to me, it's a premier position. You're just not going to let those guys fall. So unfortunately, I don't think I don't think those four are getting out of the top 10. If four got in the top 10 on the edge pass rusher position, how many in the top 10 are going at the tackle position? That's a fair question, because I think it pushes those players down. Um, I think we're still going to see three tackles go in the top 10. So, you know, that's seven of the top 10 picks just, you know, right out the, the window. That, that's <laughs> where I yeah. get that. And, and no skill position players uh, in there in the, that grouping. Are we going to go through the first 10 with no one who's going to put his hands on the football in the upcoming year? I, I, th I think it's quite possible. Um, I think that 10 spots of the Jets, if they take – you know, let's say they take uh, Kayvon Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson at four. Then I think 10 comes into play for them to take, uh, to take, you know, Jameson Williams, the receiver from Alabama, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State or Drake London from uh, Southern Cal. I think that is probably the, I just don't see, I know a lot of people want to mock a receiver at eight to Atlanta just because they need it. But I, I think they have so many other holes and receivers, not a huge priority in terms of their offense, I, I think 10 is maybe the only spot in the top 10 that I see a, a playmaker going. Uh, well, one name we haven't heard yet uh, is a quarterback, and you mentioned it a little bit, obviously. Um, I, I think it's pretty a consensus view that no quarterback belongs near the top of the draft, but we know how they get pushed up the board. You're a Pittsburgh guy, so you should have a beat on Kenny Pickett. How high do you think uh, Kenny or Malik Willis is going to get pushed up this draft? And how many quarterbacks do you think 
are going to go in the first round? I, I think people are inflating where the quarterbacks are going to go because they're quarterbacks. NFL teams aren't dumb to me. Um, I think they realize well, some of them are. I, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess let's let's not go too far. We've seen some GMs make some some decisions that, <laughs> that we've know, but you know, I, I think I think generally, you know, staffs are going to look. They know, they know this quarterback class is not elite. That all these guys need some work, need to sit. I think it's why you've seen the rush for free agent quarterbacks and trading for quarterbacks, and you know, let's do whatever we can. Even the teams that probably are going to take one, the Steelers, the Saints. You know, Jameis Winston, Mitch Trubisky, you know, they have someone that's going to start. No, that's not these rookies. So I, I personally think they're going to fall. Um, I think probably 16 to New Orleans is the first spot that one could go. I think Kenny Pickett makes a lot of sense. Uh, Mickey Loomis for the Saints has never drafted a player that they brought in for a private workout. They brought in Malik Willis for a private workout. Um, so I think Kenny Pickett makes a lot of sense. Maybe they wait to 19. Might be a little risky. Um so I think that's how it could affect the Eagles too, depending on, you know, with, with that trade that they made could end up moving a player down to, to uh, 18 to them. And then I think Pittsburgh, I think they're going to sit at 20. I think they have a board of quarterbacks that they like. Um, I think obviously Malik Willis would be the preference. I think that's where they'll go if he's there. I think Pickett's number two. And then I think Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati and Matt Corral from Mississippi are next on the list. I think just going to take the best available quarterback at that spot. Um, I think, I think we're going to see three go in the first round. I think we're going to see those two, Willis and Pickett. And then I think we're going to see one more sneak into the back end, maybe two. I'm going to get, I, I think it, it might be a little bit tough sometimes to move into that end of the first round. Um, but I think Seattle and Atlanta, both are going to try to go up there and get their guy. I'm predicting Seattle moves up to 31, 32 and takes Matt Corral out of Mississippi, but I think Desmond Ritter has a shot if Atlanta can move into the back end of the first uh, to go as well. All right. I'm going to take you out of the first round for a second and get you into day two, be it either the second round or the third round. Eagles have needs coming into this draft. They almost always default to the trenches, which means I think they're going to take a defensive lineman, either edge or tackle. And they really do need an upgrade at wide receiver. And I think that's a sweet spot in this draft that 17, 18, they'll probably be down if there are five top receivers. You'll be down to only one or two, but at least you'll be getting one of those top five guys with a pick somewhere in the later teens, which means the Eagles have secondary needs that they have to start addressing on day two, be it with their pick at 51 or their two picks in the third round. Depth of the cornerback and safety position, guys that you think will be there on day two while they're not first round picks and they don't get taken in the first round and they shouldn't are capable guys who can step in play if not start for the Eagles uh, next year day two picks at the safety and cornerback position good field bad field how do you rate the overall depth of that but those positions I, I think day two is a sweet spot for both of those positions and, you know I think the corners could get pushed up a little bit into the the first round but I do think day two is pretty good for that. I think safety uh, is not quite as deep, but day two is kind of where that well will dry up. I think the top 100 of both corner and safety are pretty good. Uh, and so I think if the Eagles look at corner in, say, round two, um, one player they brought in for a visit was Andrew Booth from Clemson. 
who I know is getting some first round buzz, but had uh, sports hernia surgery. I think it's likely going to push him out of the first round. And it could be a situation where the Eagles draft him, you know, if, if a couple teams are scared away by the medical. And now you have a guy who was starting caliber, probably without the injury, was a first round pick. You end up getting a real value in the second round. And someone that can start for you that start in the ACC against top wide receivers consistently, um, I think. I think that's good. I also like Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska, a little more corner safety hybrid kind of player, a little smaller, but very physical at the line. Has some really nice closing speed, good ball skills. I think he's an intriguing player. And then I think if you look at safety, I mean, I think round two, day two are, are going to be you know prime. Jaquan Brisker from Penn State, six one one ninety nine. Really good hitter in the box, uh, but flashed some better coverage ability this year than he did the year before. I think he's really intriguing. And then I think into round three, Brian Cook from Cincinnati, another player who had an injury, didn't work out. Um, but you know, we saw Cincinnati's success. You know, with Sauce Gardner was taking one side. Uh, they, they rotated Brian Cook to that other side, usually against the tight end or against the slot receiver. And he was able to kind of man up and do well from the safety position at 206. I think he's a really intriguing maybe round three player that they could take. So if uh, if they want to address the secondary day two, I think this is the draft to do it. And that that's probably the better value. I'd rather do that than be drafting, you know, edge rushers, defensive linemen around two and three myself. John, let me let me follow up and ask one particular guy who I've kind of warmed up to. Uh, one of the draft guys that I had on was a big fan, and I did some research on him, and the kid seems like he could be a player. Howie Roseman spoke last week about there are no surprises anymore that everybody knows everybody because there's so much tape and so much information out there and technology gets the word out. But I don't know how much coverage Sam Houston State gets. Give me your read on Zion McCollum as a potential guy who can step in and play as a rookie at the cornerback position. I, I am going in round three. I mean, this is the guy that had the, the best workout of any corner ever uh, for his size. Uh, so you, you see, when you watch on film, that, that translates. He's such a good athlete against those, um, against those receivers at a lower level competition. Like even against some of the better ones, they can't get away from him because he's so athletic. He has the long arms. He gets physical with them. And then if they do get away, he closes really fast. I mean, the number of times that Zion McCollum closes on a pass, you think, oh, he's out of position, like he's done. And then, nope, he, he, he bats it down. He gets his arm out there. Like, it's like, whoa, you know, where this guy come from? So I think that translates. I mean, that has to translate to the NFL. I, th- I think he didn't need to really have some of the technique. You know, he didn't have to have this sharp back pedal. He didn't have to really turn his hips and make sure that those are pretty fluid. Um, so I, I think he might be kind of a hair behind early but i think through camp preseason maybe early in the season i think by mid-season he could be a, a starting nfl corner uh once you kind of clean those things up so i think he's really intriguing as you know round three early round four pick all right jody gave you a name i i'm going to give you a name in the secondary player i'm interested in not sam houston but houston and that's marcus jones only, only because i've seen such a a, a weird sort of disconnect i've seen some people say he's a sixth seventh round pick i've seen some people say he's a third round pick but he also is a great returner and the return game was a disaster for philadelphia last season in the eagles um where do you have marcus jones coming off the board day three could he get to day three is he way down in day three uh could he even go late day two 
It's actually a question I've been wrestling with <laughs> today and yesterday. Like, where is Marcus Jones a top a top 100 player for me or not? Because I think on the field, yes, I think he would go day two. Um, I, you know, I know the size, obviously, being 5'8", 174. You're going to be a nickel corner, you know, dime corner. But like you said, I think he's a top two returner in this class, maybe number one, maybe the best in this class. I mean, he was dynamic and has that ability. The, the big question is medical, and that's the stuff I'm not privy to. He had yeah. surgery on both of his shoulders, which is very rare. Um, and so, you know, you just don't know if he's going to be able to come back healthy. So I kind of lean round four, round five. I think when team, teams are going to flag the medical, I think teams are going to flag the size. And that usually pushes a player down a little bit. I think in, in, without those, you know, without the medical, I think he's a round three pick. I think you could probably get him round four, round five. And in that case, I think he could be an absolute steal, even if you don't have him for, you know, put him on the pup list and lose him for a couple of weeks. All right. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Eagles almost always seem to default to the trenches. When in doubt, get back into the trenches. They've drafted that way for years. Is there an interior offensive lineman? Now, this doesn't match up with the Eagles picks, but they could always trade up in the second round into the back end of the first. Probably not. More likely they trade down from where they are in the first. Is there an interior offensive lineman that you would say deserves to go mid to late 20s in this year's draft if the Eagles uh, decide to kind of go off course and go that way? I think I think there's a couple. I think that's a good spot for interior offensive linemen. Uh, my, my top guy, Zion Johnson from Boston College, who's played center, he's played guard, he's played tackle, he's played everything, leadership, you know, tough. He he called a lot of the shots on that offensive line. Um, his teammate Alec Lindstrom, the center, is also in this draft. But Zion Johnson, a good pulling guard. He has good athleticism, great feet. I mean, I love the power. I think you, you know, you worry sometimes about balance. He's not like super overwhelming. He's, you know, you don't watch him every snap say, oh, this guy's dominant, right? But Man, I, he never makes a mistake. And I think that's that's kind of a, a 20s first-round kind of player. Um, obviously, Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, the center, gets a lot of the talk because his stock has been so volatile because he is that player you watch. And you say, wow, you know, he has those streaks of just dominance um, of, in the run game, just creating these gaps in, in, in the red zone. I mean, he makes touchdowns happen. Uh, but you have short arms. And, and that's a problem for some offensive lines. You know, if you if you run a gap power scheme, you need those defensive linemen off of that line. And, and Tyler Linderbaum just not going to do that with his arm length. So, um, you know, that's going to have to be a decision that's made by teams like the Eagles. Uh, do you want that? And then I also think Kenyon Green from Texas A&M is where the first round pick. Um, he was he was my top guard coming into this season and ha had a rock solid year. Another player that just doesn't overwhelm you. I think it's why these guys are in the 20s. Um, but, you know, you watch he – he's one of the reasons why Texas a beat Alabama. Usually you don't say a guard is why <laughs> you upset Alabama. Mm. But, I mean, he was the guy that was making holes, and they were just pounding the ball, and Alabama couldn't get the ball back. Um, so when I, when I see that, I say, like, this is a guy going up against players who are going to get drafted in the top 50 – and he's winning, like he's probably going to win in the NFL. So I think all those guys are worth a late first round pick uh, if it comes down to it. Uh, uh, Shane, we mentioned George Karloftis before. You just mentioned uh, Tyler Linder uh, bomb. I'm also going to throw Nicobe Dean in there, who we also uh, uh, talked about a little bit as well on the Georgia defense. If I was going to tell you 
one of those guys is not going to get drafted in the first round. Uh, and I believe that's the case. Uh, who do you think is most likely to be falling in the day two? It, it's, it's, I think all are very close or very on that line. I would say probably, um, probably to me be George Karloftis and I'll probably have him going in the first. Um, what kind of gets me with him is edge rusher. We know they're going to get pushed up. So it almost makes me feel like someone's got to take him late. Right. But um, I think a lot of the things you hear about him as positives may not necessarily be positives. You know, his, his motor is um, usually good, but there are definitely games where Purdue's out of it. George Karloftis is out of it. You know, he, he, he stops kind of playing hard and stops kind of working. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he can win as a pass rusher in the NFL when he really wins with with good technique and hand placement. Um, oftentimes coming off the edge, you still need that athleticism. We rarely see unathletic edge rushers do really well. And that, that you know, he has the numbers, right? Like he had the workouts, but I, I don't think he plays up to those numbers often. And I think that's the scary part, and that's why he's kind of dropping, quote unquote, because people, you know, pe- people like me, I, I watched him during the season. I love him. I'm going to have him rated pretty highly because I, I've seen him since he was a freshman do really well, and I think that means something. But I think NFL teams are, lo- are looking at him and saying, "Man, he, he doesn't play like this. He doesn't play like he should. Do we really want to take that chance?" Whereas I think Nicobe Dean has that upside. I think Tyler Linderbaum for zone schemes has that upside. I'm just not sure if Karloftis has the pure upside of a dominant pass rusher. Shane, two years ago, um, top 10 pick in the second round, number 41 overall, the Indianapolis Colts took Jonathan Taylor. And man, did he have a breakout year this year. Is there a Jonathan Taylor in this year's draft? I I, I don't know if you'll ever get a Jonathan Taylor again. (laughs) I I mean, he was... I mean, he is one of the best college running backs I've ever seen. Um, but I, I do think that Brees Hall from Iowa State is the closest that we have when you have someone who's been productive for three years in the Big 12, um, 217 pounds, runs uh, 4-4. You know, he has the speed. He has the production. He's not as flashy on film as the workout numbers suggest, but catches the football really well. I think when you have someone, if you have a run-based offense, who can pick up those yards. Um, I think he's like a better version of the Bears, David Montgomery, who also came from Iowa State, faster, more athletic. So you're, go- you're going to get the production out of him. I think if we have an offense that's built around Brees Hall, it's going to be really good. I think he's going to go early in the second round. But uh, if there's one guy, one running back I'd stake my claim on, it, it'd be him. He is Shane Hallam, DraftCountdown.com, at Shane P. Hallam. You see right there on, on the screen. You can follow him on Twitter. And by the way, you guys came out with your free draft guide, so everybody uh, can check that out. Everybody loves free, so I recommend going to DraftCountdown.com. Last one from me, Shane. Uh, obviously the Eagles kicked the can down the road when it came to quarterback. A lot of teams are doing this when they made the trade with the saints. So I want to look at those 2023 20, projections. I think we all know the first two Bryce young and, and CJ Stroud. I, I want your third or fourth quarterback, somebody else that maybe is not as high profile that people don't realize right now is going to be at the top 
of the 2023 draft at quarterback? I'll give you my number three, number four, because I think both of them have a shot, both from the state of Florida. Uh, number three is Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback at Miami. Um, you know, the U not known for their quarterbacks, but he is a player who stepped in last year, midseason when De'Ara King got hurt. And man, I mean, I, I thought he, he, the ball just glided off his hand, really sharp, really accurate. Uh, the spring game, he looked really good. None of the Miami receivers can catch. It might be a problem. People might question, but he gets the ball there and is really effective. Um, you know, his, his footwork, he's cleaned up a little bit, but I think if he develops this year, 6'4", 224, he has the size, you know, he has the arm strength. I think he is a really dynamic passer who could rise up the board. My number four guy is Anthony Richardson from Florida, University of Florida. Looks like he should start, you know, new coach there. But um, he's kind of this big athlete, 6'4", 236, probably runs a 4'5 flat. You know, he can be a, a runner, but has a, a good deep passing arm. He's kind of a, a bigger Malik Willis. And I think that's what he's going to kind of be. I'm interested to see how this offense goes for him, um, where they're going to be more run based. I don't know if he's going to get a chance to show some of his tools, but uh, if, you know, he's going to be one of that kind of, Oh, you know, this is the guy that runs and throws and is big and can run you over, you know, he's going to Cam Newton kind of type. I think that's what Anthony Richardson brings. So I think those are two guys with some big upside that we could see at the top of the draft after Stroud and young next year. All right. One follow-up on that one. Because I actually thought he was going to come out this year and could be a day three potential steal. Decided to go back to school and he was going to transfer. And he said, "Nah, never mind. I'll just stay where I'm at. I like Jake Hayner. Uh, the kid's just got nerve and he's tough. He, he's not the big strapping guy like you just described the Florida quarterback. So I don't think he's going to be going in the first round the year after. But I do think he's an NFL quarterback. You got him in your top 10 going into next season? Yep, he's he's my number nine right now, um, and I, I think I think he has potential to move up uh, at Fresno. You know, I think they're going to have a little harder schedule this season. I'm with you. I, I think he's a really good gamer. Like, I think he's a player that's going to stick around the NFL for a while. Maybe doesn't have the physical tools to be a starter um, to me, but I think there is a potential. You know, we've seen players that are just really smart, really accurate with the, with the passes um, that have that toughness to them. He can take a hit and he'll, you know, he bounces back up. He's good at evading pressure. I think he has a good feel for the pocket. So I think Jake Hayner is a lot more intriguing than people give him credit for. And his top wide receiver came back too. And Jalen Cropper, who's in my top 15 receivers in next year's draft. So it's, it's gotta be a dynamic offense. I'm excited for that offense for sure. Shane, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board. Uh, I just had his website up here. We're down. He's Brett, got a clock on How many hours? Oh, he has a clock. What do we got? <laughs> two days, 11 hours, 22 minutes, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, you'll be counting it down as will we. Thank you much for jumping on with us today. No, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Have uh, have Enjoy the draft. Enjoy it. All right, thanks, Shane. Shane Alum. Here we go. Two days, 11 hours, four minutes, 29 seconds. Yeah. Love the clock countdown to a big sporting event like we've got with this year's 2022 NFL draft. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. You're Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys coming right back. Stay with us. It's the biggest. 
most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Alright, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. Alright, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. McMullen and McDonald, your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Do us a favor, hit that like button. We appreciate it. Need to improve our algorithm, or uh, so I'm told. Uh, any help you can <laughs> give us, we would appreciate greatly. We thank uh, Shane Allen for hopping on and helping us out with his draft opinion. Coming up, ooh, just over 20 minutes from now, Timmy Mac, a triple Mac attack coming your way. McMullen, McDonald, McManus, Tim McManus from ESPN, their Eagle reporter will jump aboard with us. Uh, T Mac, I wanted to ask you about. You're jumping the gun. You said T Mac. I'm Jamie. Did I call you T Mac? (laughs) No. That's bad for Tim. 
Right. So uh, I just want to clarify that. You got a pair of J-Max here right yeah. now. Um, I did see some uh, Debo Samuel stories over the last 24 hours. Supposedly, San Francisco said they just don't foresee themselves trading a guy like Debo Samuel. He's yeah. too good, too important <laughs> to their franchise. Yet someone was able to come up with a piece of information that if the 49ers were to trade him, the asking price would start at two first-round draft picks and maybe expand from there. It's funny how that works. How can yeah, they not be trading funny. him, but yet you can get a guesstimation on how much it would cost if they trade him? Is there smoke here? Is there fire here? We've got uh, how many hours did you get off uh, – uh, Shane Sight there is I'm uh, two days, no, 10 I, hours. I still have it up. Two days, 10 hours, 59 minutes, and 24 seconds. So, um, and by the way, you could still spend what four plus an hour, five hours with us of that time. So, true, uh, between now and the draft. So, we got you covered, but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's a heavy price. Um, obviously, it does no good to say we have to trade Debo Samuel. So you understand from the fact that they're not going to say, hey, we're open for business. We're going to trade him. But remember, I mean, the back end of this is you got to pay the guy 20 some odd million dollars plus to play to get an extension um, along with those two first rounds. So, you know, that's quarterback territory. I, they're not getting two first round picks for for Debo Samuel, um, you know, I look at the Tyreek Hill trade. He's a little bit younger. Um, uh, I think he's a, you know, I can't even say he's, you know, he's, he's even more unique than Tyreek Hill is how I'll describe it. But I don't think he's a guy you just line up at receiver. And then there's talk of he wants to line up at receiver. How much does he want to touch the ball? How much are you going to utilize him correctly? There's a lot of other things that come into a Debo Samuel evaluation than just the typical receiver that you're going to line up outside, like Devontae Adams or or somebody of that nature. Um, but but the cost that you're going to have to pay him. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On top of the draft assets, two first-round picks for a wide receiver. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We talked about with Shane... You know, he said uh, organizations are generally not dumb. Well, yeah, some of them are. Maybe somebody will do that, but I don't think there's a lot of teams lining up to do that. You know, I, I, I look at Hill, your team, Jody, sorry. I'll bring this up. The Jets agreed to a trade for Tyreek Hill, and I, I think it was, you probably know better than me, it was the two second-round picks. They, they have two at the top of the second round as well, I believe. And it was two picks in the 30s um, that, you know, Kansas City was willing to accept. And part of that was because they knew they'd have to pay the guy on top of it. So two first-round picks? I, I don't 
You probably get one. What did what did the Dolphins end up giving up for Hill? What was they the got, deal? I'm they to got, remember it off the top they got of a my first head. round pick, and um, I'd have to look it up. But one first round pick, and they got something up, something else on top of it. I'll look it up real quick. But uh, the Jets were offering two early second round picks, and the I Chiefs they, were they weren't giving up this year's picks because one was four and one was ten. So I didn't believe that uh, they're willing to part with either of those picks. And I don't think they're willing to part with either of those picks now for Debo Samuel. Yeah. Um, so the Chiefs traded Hill. They got a 22 first round pick, uh, uh, 2022 second round pick, two fourth round picks, and a sixth round pick, uh, 2023 sixth so round So a first, pick. a second, two fourths, and a sixth? Yeah. So, and when you get to, yeah, I mean, people will pile on. I'm not as concerned with the day three picks. Um, so they offered a, a, you know, a first and a, and a second. Um, could they get a first and a second and then some day three picks for Samuel? Yeah, I think they could get that. And that's certainly less than two firsts, but not the drop off of that. If you're talking about a second round pick, if that first round pick, that second first round pick is going to be in a future year, well, you're getting a future second round pick. So you only have to make up the difference. How many extra day three picks do you have to add to it? They they added a couple. So, uh, and, and I, there's not, I would say that San Francisco asking price is not outrageous. It's high, and I don't think they're going to get it, but it's like, yeah, why just don't you announce to the world you're not trading them because no one on the face of the planet would even consider doing that? It's not that outrageous, John. No, I suppose. I mean, they have to be late first-round picks, and that's the thing. I mean, people get too caught up, but that, that was the thing with the Jets' offer. Two early second-round picks are not that much different from two late first-round picks. It's just the stigma, you know, what it, you know, if you want to call it stigma, if you want to call it microscope, you know, if you're pick 31, Jody, or, you know, 32, obviously, but 31 for argument's sake, you're always a first-round pick. You always have that on your resume. You always have that. On, He's a first-round pick. He's a first-round pick. Whereas you're pick 34th, nobody cares. Nobody, you know, you're, you're, that, I, I mean, it's just a label that's not that meaningful, but it becomes meaningful and it becomes meaningful for, for organizations as well, uh, uh, you know, we want a first round pick. We got to have a first round pick when, you know, all right, what if I'm giving you 33 instead of 32? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. And in some ways it, it could help you because you don't have that 50 year option, which doesn't spike up to a ludicrous degree, especially if it's not, at a valuable position, you know, Howie Roseman talked about this with me a couple of years ago with that, the value of the 32nd pick and the traditional way of thinking is, well, you want to, you want to go up to that spot to get the 50 year option, which is correct, but only for certain positions and quarterback being most notably, which everybody tries to do. Like the last thing you want to do is have a running back with a 50 year option. Or a center with a 50. Garrett Bradbury, the news came out, guy I always talk about because that's why I'm concerned with Tyler Linderbaum. He was a higher ranked prospect coming into the draft whenever he was picked in 2018. 
than Linderbaum is now. And he's just so small and he gets pushed back. And here we are four years later, they don't pick up his option because it spikes to $13 million in the fifth year. He's a center, Jody, and it still spikes. You just saw it with Derek Barnett here as a 2017 uh, pick spiking all the way up to, to over $10 million. And the Eagles paid it amazingly. Um, that fifth year is, is, is an albatross unless it's at, you know, the quarterback position, basically. I mean, and, and so, go either way is, is I think the point you're trying to make. And I agree yeah. with you. That's what you're saying. It's not a given that it's a plus. Yeah, it can actually exactly. be a minus. It can go either way, depending on the level of the talent that the player shows in the first four years. And you're right. It's a little predictive as to the position. There are certain positions that if you're good enough, oh, well, you don't even blink about picking up that fifth position. Other positions, you took them in that round that year and go, yeah, but he's, he's, a, set, he's a running back. It's just too big a spike right away. You're right. It depends on uh, what position the guy plays, but it's always most dependent on, well, how good was he? You just mentioned oh, yeah. Derek He's Barnett. A player, you know, to me, there. Derek Barnett wasn't good enough to merit a fifth-round option pickup. I don't care what position he was at. I don't care thing, where the they took thing. him and what it climbed to. He wasn't that good. And the same thing with Bradbury. You're right. Nobody cares if the player's good. But the odds of you getting a good player at 32 is a heck of a lot less than 4 or 10. Uh, and the odds of you getting a good player at 33 are basically the same odds of you getting a good player at 32. And, but one's a second-round pick and one's a first-round pick. So, you know. But that one less year does – you have to do more, quicker evaluating. It's, if you can't figure it out in four years, I'm not saying, like, oh, my God, that's putting a rush on it. It's not the case. But you do have one less year to evaluate. Um J-Mac, uh, one guy who said uh, a little talking about the offensive line size. Uh, an Eagle offensive lineman decided to stay in the fold yesterday. We all expected to come. Uh, they had tendered Herbig a restricted free agent contract this offseason, and he did sign off on it. So he is going to be able to get some work in this week with the Eagles. Uh, I asked you this before the show started. Are the Eagles going to make any players available? Uh, they haven't said no yet, but they haven't said yes yet either. And you don't think there's any chance, despite the fact that they are going to get together as a team while others are doing different work in the Novacare complex. The Eagles are actually going to get some yeah. team building activities in, but not make them available to you guys. Yeah, not They put some, they put some pictures up on the Eagles Twitter of them running around. Um, now I, I think, you know, they're leaning on it's draft week, you know, and by the way, we're all busy, so it's probably better for us, but, um, you know, uh, they're, well, we're working hard and they'll you know, give us the players after the draft, but it is what it is. I mean, they came in a week late. I, if, if I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist, if I'm going to be Oliver Stone. I'd say they did it on purpose, but, uh, I don't think it's that they, meaningful. They, when you say they did it on purpose, to coincide with draft week so that they didn't have to make players available? No, I, said if I, was, I said if I was Oliver Stone, I might come to that conclusion. Uh, if you're a conspiracy theorist, I, I, it, it, I don't think it was the number one reason, but it didn't hurt. Uh, it, was, it was factored into the mix uh, is how I'll describe it. The number one reason was because 
they think they're ahead of the curve when it comes to protecting their players versus injury risks, even yeah. though yeah. how he kind of left that at the coach's doorstep last week, neither you nor yeah. I believed yeah. it. That, Next that slide. Was a what, coach's what? I got it. It's, it's funny if, you know, if he did said, I got nothing to do with it. Uh, you know, it would have been funny if he said that, but yeah, it was kind of, he brushed it off to, to Nick, who probably is the least one worthy of answering the question. Um, but as I always say, I've yet to meet the football coach that doesn't want to practice. Um, it worked out for him last year, so it's understandable. They, they're looking at that and saying, well, it worked pretty well last year, so let's just keep it status quo. I, I've said it for years. These things aren't meaningful at all for veteran players. Um, so the rookies aren't even here yet. They haven't drafted them. Uh, there's no one draft. I think it's important for those guys. So they're not even here yet. So, yeah, it doesn't. It probably doesn't matter at the end of the day. See if you can guess along with me if they uh, had decided to do things differently. No chance. Um, and they allowed you guys in, take a break from your draft stuff. Well, as they usually do, let you watch about eight minutes of practice. Uh, but if, if that had been the case, who would have been the guy I would have told you, Johnny Mack, you got to zero in on this guy and give me a report on, on him tomorrow. What well, do you think that guy would have been? I mean, the first phase, you can't even do anything really. So there's not even any real football activity. So it would be just watching guys run around and things like that. Um, yeah, of, of the veteran players, I probably probably the most interesting now is JJ because he's changing positions. Um, when they ultimately line up in you know a football you know way, maybe he's somebody to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, I mean basically just be guys running and stretching and, and getting conditioning work in. So, you know, there's not much you can glean from that. Uh, the more you could glean is from actually talking to them. Be nice to talk to JJ Ortega Whiteside about his move to tight end, who precipitated it, who brought it up first, things like that. Um, but we'll get there eventually. It's, it's April, whatever. Where are we, Jody? Today is the 27th. 26th, I got April 26th. 26th, Tuesday, 26th, right. First day of the draft is Thursday the 28th. Now, here's a guy I want you to give me the lowdown on. Even though, as you say, you can't really judge anything. How's Zach Pascal looking? Because as of right now, before the draft, he's wide receiver three for the Eagles, if not wide receiver two. I don't want to do that to the Eagles' second wide receiver, but uh, again, I I think he's a stretch. And in in a perfect case scenario, you would be dropping Watkins back to three, so you could slide in somebody at two. Zach Pascal, that guy, could he could he flash for you, Johnny Mack, at an Eagle workout to make you say? My, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to flash in t-shirts and shorts. He's a big physical receiver. He's going to block well, Jody. Uh, he's going to he's going to set up those bubble screens. Um, you know, it, the off season as well when the Danelle Pumphreys of the world flash and they look, wow, he looks good. <laughs> And then he puts on the pads and it's all over. Oops. Um, yeah. So I, you know, it's generally the really fast, quick 
twitchy athletic guys that that stand out as you would imagine in 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 t-shirts and shorts and that's probably not going to be zach zach pascal jalen rager will probably look good and this week is voluntary correct johnny mac yeah everything's voluntary the eagles have no mandatory work everything's voluntary uh so since they're not letting you guys in to watch you're not getting access to any of these players how do you know who is or isn't there we don't um Generally, the Eagles will come out and say we have 95%. Uh, and there are certain guys like Darius, you know, veterans, Darius Slay, Fletcher, you know, Brandon Graham. They'll be in for a couple days. Then they'll have to go home to do something and they'll be excused. Uh, but generally, they'll be, they'll, they'll have close to 100% uh, participation. And by that, I mean, uh, nearly 100% of the players will be there for a portion of the off-season program. Uh, so, yeah, but unless we're going to sit at the gate of the NovaCare complex and check off a list, and, and remember, guys have tinted windows, so that's really difficult. Um, yeah, we, we don't know, but uh, the Eagles will let us in on their 99% participation rate. And some of these guys tip their hand on their social media accounts, which makes it oh, easier yeah. for you or I. Uh, did Jalen Hurts? Uh, yeah, he's out? there. He's there. He's, he's there. there. Okay. Of course, yeah. the not, not, not working out with uh, AJ Brown this week, huh? No. Well, he was earlier in the week, but he's he's here. No, I guess it was Monday. I guess that was over the weekend. Whenever that happened, but he was working out with AJ Brown. But he's here. Uh, uh, he and Devontae Smith were pictured running together on the. Novacare Complex Field, courtesy of the Eagles Twitter. Well, the Eagles put that you better be there. here if you're the quarterback. I mean, that's a, you, you. When the quarterback doesn't show up, this happened with Sam Bradford back when the Eagles drafted Carson Wentz. That was a big deal at the time, and that was uh, Doug Peterson's sort of first issue as a head coach. And I thought he handled it pretty well. And I, that was the point where I said, you know, this guy's got a chance to be a decent head coach because I thought he handled that pretty deftly. Um, but when your starting quarterback doesn't show up for voluntary work even, that's a big deal in the NFL. because It's kind of an unwritten rule. If you're the quarterback, voluntary or not, you got you got to be there. You mean like Kyler Murray this week in Arizona yeah, has exactly. chosen not to big show up? Deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. When, when a quarterback doesn't show up, it's a big deal. And uh, the Cardinals say it's not an issue, that uh, they'll get something done. They're not worried about doing it now, but they will negotiate with them before next season starts. And uh, they'll, uh, they've already picked, or they're, I think they said they were going to pick up uh, the fifth year option on, on Murray's contract, which is going to be up in the. 26 27 million dollar range they haven't officially done it yet i think they have to do it by may, may. first i think may, is it the first, may first or second may okay it might yeah it's it's the formality they're going to get it done but uh they haven't done it yet maybe they should have done it already because uh i, I don't think kyla murray was coming in anyway no, but he's at not least, coming in he's not it, coming in without an extension that's the key to kyler murray but yeah they have i mean you know he can either play with the Cardinals or not play if they want to play hardball. So, you know, unless he wants to go back to baseball, uh, yeah, 
Good luck, Kyler. Yeah, it'd be a little tough to make the kind of money that he's making as a quarterback, even if it's just not a fifth-year option in the National Football League if he's trying to jump back into baseball. Which, by the way, do you remember what team owns his rights in baseball? Is it the Oakland Athletics? The Oakland A's who took their entire team apart because they didn't want to pay him this offseason. Yeah, Yeah, Kyler, you'll be going back to Oakland making money. Right. Yeah. And he'll be playing in front of 2,700 fans. Ooh, those, those crowds have been ugly. Sort of so, a. And somehow the A's are 8 and 8. Or they're yeah. right at five. They're always 8 and 8. Billy Bean, fans. baby. Moneyball. Billy Bean doesn't really have. A, I think he's I still. He doesn't. I think he's still, he's still on, involved. On Isn't, isn't he a part team, owner now? He's not making any decisions. No. But isn't he a part owner? At least a, a small. Minority owner now. for the A's. Did yeah. they give him? Did they give him a percentage at one point? I think they did. Okay, nah, I don't know about that, but he's not. He's not pulling his. I gotta look that up in the break. But there's I, Tim McManus in the green room. Mac and Mac and Mac. I'm excited. It's a triple Mac attack coming your way next. McMullen, McDonald, the Tim McManus of ESPN is going to jump aboard Birds 365. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Alright, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. Alright, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them out. Mama go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? 
I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. It's a triple Mac attack here on Birds 365. McCullen McDonald, and there he is. Got the Ted Lasso mustache working. Uh, <laughs> out, outstanding reporter for ESPN, our buddy Tim McManus. T Mac, how you been? Jody Mac, Johnny Mac, what's happening? Yeah, Mac attack. Mac, uh, what is it? Uh, it's not square. Cube. What's third? Yeah, cube. Thank you. Not I'm cube. not the. I'm not the math whiz. That's Jody Mack here, Tim. But Mac and Mac and Mac, exciting for one day. Where should we start, Tim? Let's start with Debo Samuel because Jody and I were talking about it a little bit uh, before you came on. So you were the one at, at Howie's pre-draft availability that asked him about the wide receiver position, sort of the uh, the uptick in salaries to say the least – Obviously, he'd be a fit for the offense. He'd be a fit for anybody's offense from being a playmaker. But there's a lot of uh, ancillary stuff with Debo Samuel. But I'm going to start with what the Eagles even consider, considering the draft assets you would have to give up to get a player like that, plus the extension, and you got to go over $20 million average annual value. Do you think the Eagles would even consider something like that? I mean, yeah, consider, but then would they act on it, I guess, is, yeah. is probably yeah. a separate thing. And and I don't know, especially based off those comments that you referenced from Howie Roseman at his pre-draft presser, John, that that they're going to go down that avenue. Basically, he said, you know, when when one team goes left, you have to go right. The the boom right now is wide receivers. You see Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill averaging $30 million worth their new contracts. And Debo Samuel is going to, I don't know, you have to give up probably a one plus or, you know, a, a sweet package, whatever that looks like. And then also pay him a new contract that's that's going to make it tough cap wise to build out the rest of a, a young roster. I just don't think they're there yet. Um, as tempting as he may be. And I do think, yeah, to your point, he's a great fit for just about every offense. But I, I do picture him in this one. And how potent that could be. Like if you have Jalen Hurts at a mesh point with Miles Sanders, with Debo Samuel coming around on a jet sweep, and and where is he going to go with that? I mean, that could be really effective. Not to mention being able to just hit him over the middle on a quick strike, have him get yards after the catch. It makes life easier on Jalen Hurts. I think he would be a beautiful fit in Philly. I really, I really do. So that's why you have to consider it. But given all the other uh, factors that go along with it, the, I just don't know that that's a move that they're going to ultimately pursue. So if that's the case, T-Mac, does that mean they're not in play for a guy like A.J. Brown either, who Jalen Hurts has been working out with this offseason and probably trying to whisper sweet nothings into his ear about uh, helping to facilitate a trade to Philadelphia since we found out, oh, wide receivers can do that. Uh, Devontae Smith got himself traded to Vegas. 
Tyreek Hill got himself diverted from New York to Miami. So guys have the power now to make it happen. If if somehow A.J. Brown had that kind of power, uh, Eagles not in play for him either because the cost is just too much. I think it kind of you run up into the same type of issue. But, you know, it's not like the Eagles haven't been trying to get wide receivers. Like We know that they came really close to trading for Calvin Ridley before he got suspended for the season. And they also took a run at Christian Kirk. But everything kind of has, has its limits. Like Ridley could have had him at a, a better value than what ultimately ended up happening in the wide receiver market where it exploded. So that kind of made sense from their standpoint. Christian Kirk, they weren't going to pay Christian Kirk anywhere near what Jacksonville ultimately paid him. So they were in on him, but only at like a, a certain point. And when you get into the Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown stratosphere, then you're talking about a number of assets, both pickwise and financially, that would probably be prohibitive for the Eagles. Uh, Tim, uh, you said something and you're not the first person. A lot of people say this and I kind of scratch my head and I call them the, we're not ready crowd and, and the Eagles aren't ready, which I agree with for the most part. I don't think they're a significant contender, but I mean, you and I have been around this team for a while and I think both of us didn't see 2017 coming. I didn't think they were ready. Uh, be a Super Bowl contender, and all of a sudden uh, things take off, and it, it, they are where they are. Is is we're not ready? Does that become a self fulfilling prophecy if you act like that? If you, if can can it be dangerous? In other words, if an organization continually kicks the can down the road, especially in the NFL, we saw we see it with the Sixers and what happened. But the NFL is different. There's worse to first every year. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl the year before, they were in last place. Um, it, can it be that self-fulfilling prophecy if you get too hung up on we're not ready? Yeah, no, I think it's a great point and, and a, a really good discussion point for this reason, John. Um, to me, it, it brings to mind, and maybe it's not totally fair, but it brings to mind how they ultimately feel about Jalen Hurts. And the reason why I say that is you have a quarterback who's basically on his last year of a rookie deal. When you factor in like, okay, after this year, he's eligible. You're going to have to act like this is, this is around the time where you have to think about if you're going to commit to him, you're going to have to commit to him financially over the long term. But right now you got all sorts of money freed up because he's only making like a million plus. Right. So it's uh, if you want to dive in a little bit and take advantage of a quarterback on a rookie contract, like this seems like the season to do it. Uh, and if, and to me, if they like, I know they like him, but if they felt like he could deliver the goods, like in this window, would they be more aggressive? So it speaks a little bit to that, even if they're not intentionally trying to speak that language. Like that's kind of what I part of, of what I pick up on. Uh, and the second part is like I think they they are trying to do the one foot in, one foot out approach now, recognizing that the roster isn't like in LA Rams territory. And so they're not going to be making LA Rams moves, I think, right now. And, and I ultimately don't have a problem with that. They're trying to be competitive and make the playoffs while while they're building. Uh, so ultimately they can get to a spot in like two years or whatever it is, a year somewhere in a one to three year window 
where they're getting their first round buys. And, and that seems to be kind of like their, you know, their five-year plan, if you will. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's a problem to have a strategy, but you just want to make sure that you're not selling your fan base short and selling yourself short in the short term uh, for a, a long-term outlook. All right, T-Mac, let's combine those two things, the wide receiver position and the half-in, half-out philosophy. If you're telling me they're just not going to get into play for a Debo Samuel or an A.J. Brown, okay, fine. But, you know, you got to upgrade wide receiver. Oh, we want to give Jalen a chance with Zach Pascal, Really? Um, so does that mean it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to take a wide receiver with one of their first two picks? If there's someone that they specifically really like and think is the unquestioned best player, will they be aggressive and trade up to get him? How does wide receiver and first round work for the Eagles two days from now? Well, I think it's it certainly signals that wide receiver is going to happen at some point, probably early in this draft. I don't it doesn't necessarily for me, Jody Mack, have to be with the first pick or the first two picks. Like it seems uh, if you go into that second round, there is, you know, there's who's a host that, of, who's oh, that stud wide receiver they're getting with the 51st pick. Well, I mean, there's quality receivers throughout this draft. I think you're finding that you know, receivers are coming in abundance in recent drafts. I don't think there's any, obviously the odds go down. Um, but if like the right one shows up, like a, as a, for instance, if, if Jameson Williams drops to 15, like you would have to believe that he would be one of their, you know, guys that they have rated as a blue chip prospect. And there's not many of those. If you talk to people around the league, um, like the slam dunk guys or guys that are at least close to that. So I think that that wide receiver would be in play under the right circumstances. Uh, but I don't think that it's something that it, that they're going to trade up for. It doesn't feel like if they're going to trade up for me, I don't think it's going to be for a wide receiver. I think that's going to be for a corner. Like if, you know, if Stingley gets close, I think if maybe if they're worried about, let's say, Baltimore getting Jordan Davis at 14, you know, a small trade up for Jordan Davis makes a lot of sense to me. I think that he I think that he would fit this this defense very well. I think he would provide the exact solution to a problem that Jonathan Gannon had last year, yeah. having pure nose tackle. And I think he can do a lot more beyond that. Uh, so a small trades up for, for those kind of guys makes more sense to me at wide receiver. And, you know, to your point, the odds go down, Jody, uh, as you wait. But I do think that there are some good options in day two at wide receiver if it does fall that way for them. Yeah, I keep hearing that name a lot, Tim. Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis. And it might be that targeted trade-up, sort of like Devontae Smith was last year. But if you had to – you mentioned two of the names, Jordan Davis and uh, Derek Stingley Jr. Um, anybody else in that category for that short move up? Not not the big leap. I don't think we're going to see the big leap. But the Devontae Smith sort of short – targeted move up because we got to go up past a certain team to get this player. Maybe if like a Thibodeau were to, were to drop, um, you know, something like that, but yeah. Or if like, there's a, some kind of crazy surprise, like, you know, sauce Gardner falls, but I don't think that's happening. Like yeah. you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's probably going super early. Uh, but yeah, the, the targeted, I think that's a great way to put it is the, the targeted trade up where, it sounds like um, Houston maybe is willing to to move out of of their pick, and so if you could move up three spots and just take away the uncertainty, 
because I think most uh, general managers around the league view like for as far as first round picks, like maybe there's, I don't know, like 10 to 12 ones that they're going to have a first round grade. Maybe some guys go up to like 15 and say your number's at like 10 or 12. You're sitting at 15. I mean, and you have 10 picks overall. Uh, yeah, I think use that ammunition to go get the guy you want. And Jordan Davis, for me, John, the name, the reason I keep going back to that is one, we know how they feel about you know, building from the inside out. Uh, we, we know that Fletcher Cox is, you know, he's not long for, for the Eagles at this yeah. point. So there's going to be an opening there. And if you, if you go back to, to last year's draft, remember Tom Donahoe, he's, you know, oh, yeah. Alum, bump to, yeah. to Howie Roseman, like that was supposed to be a lead McNeil. McNeil. Yeah. And yeah. he was that nose tackle that Jonathan Gannon feels like he needs in order for his defense to operate at an efficient level. And so if you can add a six foot six, 341 pound nose tackle who also runs a four, seven, eight, forty, <laughs> uh, you know, and could probably get to the passer a lot more than he actually did in college and, and destroy some destroy some people along the offense, along the defensive front. Like that seems like a perfect, a perfect Philadelphia fit. But, uh, you know, it also seems to me like a perfect Baltimore fit. Yeah, it, seems to it be does. The kind of guys they like too. Yeah, yeah. So that's why a trade up might make some sense. If Jordan Davis ends up here, that'll be a big piece for Jonathan Gannon to play with. They had another big piece. As a matter of fact, their only big move this offseason so far has been Hassan Reddick, who I was singing the song for last year when he left Arizona that I wanted to see him come here to Philadelphia. All right, he did a one-year quick stopover in Carolina with his uh, ex-college coach. They got to give the kid credit because he took care of someone who took care of him by giving him a scholarship. But now he's back home in Philadelphia. How is he going to be used this year? Judging so, Gannon, his system and the like, is he going to be with his hand in the dirt? Is he going to be off the line? Is he going to be covering guys in space? How do the Eagles use Hassan Reddick uh, now that they've given him a a uh, big boost in contract during this offseason. Yeah, I think really those were the you're hitting on like the two major pieces that were missing from Jonathan Gannon's defense last year. One was that nose tackle and the two was that the Sam linebacker who could rush from that position. He wants to have that the hybrid Sam linebacker uh, that's going to be largely rushing from, uh, you know, from standing up. Um, and Hassan Reddick, I think, you know, can do that effectively. He's going to be going after the passer. I don't know what 80, 90% of the time. I mean, you don't pay somebody that much money not to, uh, but he is versatile enough where you can use him in a multitude of ways. And I think that that's going to open things up really for that entire defense, Jody Mack. I mean, you, you talk about a, a D that was 31st last year in sacks, which is 29 of them. And you add, you add a player in Reddick who had 23 and a half over two seasons. That's going to be an upgrade and that's going to be you know, a big difference for them. Now, Gannon still needs to change the way that he attacks things. Part of the reason they didn't have a lot of sacks is because they were playing so soft and they were, and the quarterbacks were able to get the ball out quickly. So it wasn't all on that front, but certainly they needed some help. And I think Reddick's going to provide it. Well, the help's got to come in the secondary and maybe there's more uncertainty there than anywhere else after free agency, because Steve Nelson got two years in Houston, uh, Rodney McLeod's in Indianapolis, Tim, um, so you have holes at corner at safety. Uh, you do have those two first round picks. We mentioned Stingley. They've never taken the safety, uh, in the first round of the draft. So that's probably a day two 
uh, potential or day three option. Or there's the honey badger, how he always talks about, and he's proven, I mean, talent gathering season, as he likes to call it, you know, Steve Nelson came here two days before training camp. I think it was last year, Tim, uh, Ronald Darby in August trade. Um, so there's still ways of doing it, but do you expect the Eagles to come out of the first round with a corner and you expect them to have a safety, let's say by the end of day two? Yeah. I mean, I think that they've been kind of telegraphing how they feel to a certain extent. They've left one of the, the safety spots open and they've left one of the corner spots open. And we, and Roseman is on the record saying that he doesn't want to block some of some of these first round picks from playing and he's left those spots wide open. So he's at least allowing for the possibility of the Eagles going early at corner or safety. And if it doesn't happen to your point, uh, you know, they've, they've been kind of talking with uh, the honey badger. It's, it's a possibility, but I think both sides are kind of waiting to see how the draft plays out before acting on that corner seems like it could line up at 15 or 18 for them. Uh, Trent McDuffie is a player that I believe they like um, and is someone that I think that his physicality and, and uh, the tenacious way that he attacks his, his position is something that Jonathan Gannon would be drawn to, along with the skill set that, you know, I, I think can lend to him playing both both man or or zone. You know, the one there's a couple of scary things. I mean, uh, most notably that he only had two interceptions in his entire collegiate career. And that's something that, you know, fans would certainly have to overcome. But, you know, also you know, the front office, but he's just, he doesn't get thrown at a lot, which skills to, which kind of speaks to um, the respect that I think that quarterback showed him last year. He only got targeted 36 times. He allowed 16 completions for 111 yards and zero touchdowns. Like they didn't, you know, when they throw out on the quarterbacks are, are ineffective. And I think McDuffie, McDuffie can make some sense at 15 or, or 18 for them. And the other name that pops into mind is Dax Hill out of Michigan, kind of a hybrid safety, you know, could probably play multiple positions at the next level. I do believe that they have, um, you know, a level of interest in him as well. Um, and so is that a guy that if they end up trading back in the, in the first round that could, could fit into what they're looking for? Um, those are some of the options, but yes, I, I, I do believe that, you know, they'll, they'll have at least one of those positions accounted for by the end of let, let's call it day two, uh, if not day one. T-Mac, let's back, back, back it up about 14 months to the Nick Sirianni introductory press conference, which we can, I think, safely say he didn't win over the fan base that day. But if I told you 14 months from them, Nick Sirianni would be the most uh, entrenched head coach in this town right now, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Joe Girardi, <laughs> a.k.a. Doc Rivers, a.k.a. Who the hell's been coaching the flag oh, uh, <laughs> for the last four months? Can you believe that Nick Sirianni is, as I said, the most entrenched coach here in Philadelphia? Most of it has to do with the other coaches in town. But he did a nice job last year, and his players like him. I think he's pretty damn well entrenched, and that's not a bad thing for me. Is it for you? No, I mean, I, I think it speaks more to what you said. It's it's more about the, uh, the, the coaches and their, you know, their wobbly state of affairs. But uh, but yeah, but Sirianni started out rough and that was both, you know, in his presentation publicly and then the performance of the team 
on the field. And then things started to stabilize for him. And, and uh, I think what you saw is even when, you know, the, uh, the, the, the water was rocky for the Eagles that they didn't bail on Sirianni. And that's, you know, something that you're, that you're looking for. Like even when they were in their, their lowest moments and even though people, he was the subject of ridicule for some of the things he was saying, the flower and the whole thing, like they were, you know, they, they took that and, and uh, they used it as a rallying cry and, and they got their coaches back. Um, I think, you know, it's still TBD with Sirianni. Now you're, you're entering uh, year two, which in theory should be a harder schedule and let's see how things break. Let's see what you if the, the old guards on the offensive <clears throat> line hold up for another year. Let's let's see what comes out of this. But but yeah, he he is more stable certainly than he was at the beginning of his tenure. It felt like at least from a, a public perspective, and uh, and I do feel like things are vibing pretty well internally between him and and Howie Roseman. And um, you know he's being included in this this draft process. And you know the signing of Zach Pascal shows that he's you know he's got a little bit of pull in terms of the the players that he's looking for and, and bringing them in. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, you know, for all the uncertainty of Nick Sirianni coming in, you know, some of that at least has been washed away as he's entering his second year. Yeah, with everything. We get the uh, deus fist bumps, Tim, between Harry Roseman and Nick Sirianni all the time. So everything is, good. yeah, everything is copacetic right now. But I do want to talk about off-season work. I, I think it's interesting, and I don't think it's very important for veteran players. I've said that for a long time, and the rookies aren't even here yet, so it really doesn't matter. But the Eagles started a week later than they could have uh, when it came to uh, the conditioning program. They're one of two teams that has no mandatory work uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals um, post-COVID, or hopefully we don't fall back. Um, interesting. I think it was Zach, Zach Berman, who, uh, snuck it in at the end of, of Howie's presser, uh, about the decision-making behind that. And Howie kind of said, I'm worried about the draft and pushed it off to Nick, which I think is ironic because I don't think it's a Nick decision. I've yet to meet the football coach. I say it all the time, Tim, that doesn't want to practice. Maybe Nick's the first guy. I don't believe that. Um, he also strikes me, I think this will shock people, and I want to get your thought. He, he, he comes across as a very, he is, he's a very nice man, uh, but he's got a bit of an edge to him. He's got a bit of a temper. I think people don't get to see that. And I think he's more willing to push back than Doug Peterson. Um, do you see that as a potential problem down the line if he continues to have more success? Uh, as far as being involved in these types of decisions? Yeah, I think when you have a general manager and an owner uh, that are as hands-on as they are and involved in almost every aspect of the operation, and you're right to pick up on the fact that Howie dismissed like he didn't have anything. Come on. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, yes, he was. He very much has a say in how that thing is structured and how much they're practicing and, you know, we know that he is involved with the medical team. We know that, you know, he oversees the whole thing, the this, this sports science. And, and clearly the, the numbers and the data is telling them that less, less is more when it comes to this offseason stuff, that in order to keep the, the injuries lower, uh, you, you know, you do as 
almost as little as you can uh, to try to just get to a point, you know, where you're near the finish line and you have as many bodies as you can. And Sirianni is, is going along with that. Um, he probably believes it to a, a certain extent, but yeah, I'm sure it's hard for a guy that loves to be out there and loves to compete um, that he's, he's not out there more. And if you look at, and it's, it's kind of hard to quantify once you get to this spot, but there's so much conversation leading into last year. It's like, you know, they, they weren't doing anything they, they canceled, you know, some of their, you know, their, their mini camps, um, you know, then they didn't play anybody in the preseason. And then there's a big discussion about what that means for the regular season. They start out like terrible in the, you know, the first half of the year. And it's, it's hard to know, like, can you, is that related or not? Uh, but it's going to be a continuing conversation, you know, this off season, I think for sure. And, and yes, when, to finish the point, like when you have a, a, an owner and a GM, that are that involved in the football side of the operation. And then you have a coach that, that feels uh, empowered more like, yeah, there's going to be conflict with that's kind of what happened with, with Peterson. You know, he felt like after a while, like, you know, they're just crowding me too much. And he wanted yeah. to you know, push the elbows out and be like, I'm a Super Bowl winning coach, man. Um, you can't dictate to me everything. Uh, yeah. So that absolutely the dynamics in play because we've seen it before. And, uh, you know, it's it's possible it happens again, sure. T-Mac, usually uh, my partner here, John McMullen, plays bad cop to my good cop more often than not. Uh, but I, I'll go glass <laughs> half empty. I'll go glass half empty here. Which, like, which eagle is most likely this offseason to remove any pictures and or mentions of the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles from his social media accounts? Because he's got a little bit of a mad on about the organization, and that could include the coach you were just discussing. No, not is yet. He, not yet. Is he a social media guy? Even no. The, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, so, so it'll, we'll stick to the players on this. Any chance we get any eagle trying to make a statement through social media this offseason? Man, I'm trying to come up with them. Um, well, I'm going to give you one because he's already done. Well, he hasn't already done it, but he goes on and off social media, and that's Jalen Rager. I mean, yeah, he doesn't I don't know remove. Even, I don't know if he's going to be here. Yeah. Well, that that was going to be my next question, but I'll finish it there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm trying because they have done a pretty decent job of locking up guys that you know that they believe in that are approaching. Like that whole 2018 class got locked up. Um, you know, Slay, I guess, could be a possibility. Like if he sees the the corner market skyrocket, um, yeah. you know, I I would. But other than that, like I feel like and, and Cox, I just don't think that's going to be a storyline at that point. He'll probably have moved on. Uh, so the, I don't I don't foresee a ton of those. I don't think that's something Hertz would do. Um yeah, so so there. I don't think there's a lot of candidates. But, no problem. Just uh, yeah. hey, just trying to no, stir no, it up it's a, a little it's bit there. there. It's a good yeah. exercise, Jody Mac. You know, yeah, you got to think of you got to think about that stuff. Yeah, he is Tim McManus. Follow him on Twitter at tim underscore McManus. Read him at ESPN.com. Nobody covers this team better than Timmy Mac. Um, I'll leave it here with you. May first, Tim. Um, we're down at the Novacare complex. Um, is Jalen Rager going to be there? Is Andre Dillard going to be there? Are they going to be a part of this team uh, May 1st? Well, I can tell you that my understanding with Rager is that the Eagles are uh, open to, to taking offers for him. Um, you know, so, so that's happening. 
and whether it comes to fruition is kind of a, a TBD, but it's it won't be because there aren't any wheels in motion on that front. I think that if we see uh, the way that things are going, uh, the way that the Eagles have been talking publicly about the fact, you know, we think we have a one in, in Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins is this is before Pascal came in, you know, Quez Watkins is our two. And then it took him a while till they, they got down to Ragger. It's almost like he is starting to exit the conversation a little bit. Um, but he, uh, my understanding is that he was at the beginning of the offseason training program. So he, he's there and he's working. And just because, you know, talks could be happening uh, about a trade doesn't mean that it, it comes to fruition. And so it's just kind of a, it's a wait and see there. But I think that the best that we can say is that the Eagles aren't banking on him as being a primary option this year. And let's see if he's ultimately ends up on the roster. Andre Dillard, I think it would have to take, you know, a pretty, a pretty nice offer because, um, you know, back even like high end ta- or like quality tackles, how should we put him above average tackles? Aren't Starting that, level tackle, I would yeah, say. Like, there's you some know, bad tackles in this league. There's a lot of bad tackles out there. And if, if there's one injury to the, the, the tackle set uh, out of your starters, then you know, he becomes valuable very quickly. Um, so I would, I would say there's probably a decent chance that Dillard's on this, on this roster and, and Reger seems to be up in the air. You can get all his Eagle inside at ESPN.com. Yeah. Every once in a while, you'll catch him jumping on the fanatic on the radio side as well. We're glad he hopped on with us today. It's been a minute. Glad to get you back. D-Mac will do it again soon. Enjoy your draft work this week, big guy. Always love talking with the Max. Good spending some time with you guys. Thanks, Tim. Our pleasure. Tim McManus, a triple Mac attack with John McMullen and Jody McDonald here on Birds 365. All right. A couple minutes left. We got to come back, put a bow on the show. Yeah, we got to talk about the bus trip, Jody. The bus trip down to Atlantic Neither you nor I are getting on the bus, but it sounds like a party down in Atlantic City. Combine good uh, Jacob Media Sports Talk with Eagles content and a couple of cocktails, stateside vodka. Hey, you can't go wrong. We'll come back with more details on that in a minute. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? 
<laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Get your Mega Mac guys, wind it down a day countdown to the NFL draft. Um, before you know it, Thursday night will be here. The question is, who will be down at Atlantic City with the Jacob Media crew? Johnny Mac, they got a luxury bus heading down. I know you want them on the bus. I want them on the bus. Derek Gunn wants them on the bus. Everybody wants them on the bus. Uh, we've got some seats left to get on the bus to get down to Oceans at AC. How big a party is this going to be Thursday night? It's going to be a big party. You can join us down there by us. I mean, Jacob Media. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to be at the Novacare Complex. Jody Mack is going to be on CBS Radio, National Radio. But Seth Joyner's going to be there. Mike Quick's going to be there. Derek Gunn's going to be there. Rob Ellis, Devin Caney. So big presence, uh, not only Eagles legends, but all the Jacob Media personalities. You can take a luxury bus down there to the Ocean AC Resort and Casino. Uh, all you got to do is email Krause at jacobmedia.com. Put in the subject line, Jody Mack wants me on that bus. Johnny Mack wants me on the bus. Whoever, uh, we both want you on the bus. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great time for the fans. And uh, it's always a good time to see Seth Joyner and Mike Quick. So Krause at jacobmedia.com. Um, head down to Atlantic City. Enjoy. Have some have some cocktails. Do a little gambling. And check out the oceanac.com for all the details. You know you're going to be watching the draft anyway. So if you're just sitting at home, yeah, yeah the, the comfort. But get out. Have some fun. Get, get your fist pumping if the Eagles make a couple of good picks. So uh, uh, hop on the bus and get down to uh, the oceans at AC for the Jacob Media Big Draft Extravaganza. All right. Uh, when you are at the uh, complex, and when I say the complex, I mean Novacare, where uh, you guys will all be to be able to get uh, Howie's thoughts immediately after day one of the draft. Do they have 
multiple TVs available for you guys? Do you get to pick and choose yeah. what you want to watch? Um, How's it play? It it uh, we generally watch. You can watch in the media house. There's a media house which has you know TVs up on the walls, and or you can watch in the auditorium, which is generally. And this is again pre-pandemic. This is the first time we're post-pandemic, so we have to see. But there's a big giant screen in the auditorium. Uh, they there's generally... only one. Yeah, so they just got to make a call. NFL Network or well, ESPN. They're a part of the NFL, Jody. So that's not really a decision. So it's NFL. But I'm an NFL Network guy anyway. I was a Mike Mayak guy. I was a Daniel Jeremiah guy. Emma Jan- Daniel Jeremiah guy. So. That's no issues for me. But obviously, an NFL team's going to have the NFL network on. Yeah, I'm an ESPN guy. Always have been, always will be, and I'm not going to change at this time. I'll go back and forth between the two, uh, but uh, if uh, I had to claim to be watching well, one Well, you used more to work for other. ESPN, and it, it's not a shot at ESPN. We just had Tim McManus. ESPN does a phenomenal job. Uh, but they're an NFL team. they got to put the NFL network on. It's, it's a league-mandated thing. And speaking of ESPN, I did reach out to Trey Wingo, try to get him on this week because he did a great job uh, hosting the draft the day two after uh, Chris Berman would do day one. I didn't hear back from him. Wingo bagged me. He was in Maui for like eight weeks. Wow, Damn, man. was I jealous. He's too, he's too relaxed. Holy yeah. mackerel, going to Hawaii for two months. I wish that were me. Um, but he said, hey, try me when we get around the draft. And I reached out and I didn't get him. Maybe we'll get him sometime after the draft. Uh, we will get McMullen and McDonald tomorrow before the draft. Who we got Thursday. tomorrow? Russell Brown from CBS, I think we have tomorrow, right? Uh, Russell. Russell Beyond. Mike Tanier from uh, footballoutsiders.com. Very so. nice. Uh, so we have a good show for you third, uh, tomorrow. And then Thursday, you know, it was funny about Thursday. I reached out to Mike Quick. This was before I knew he was getting on the bus, Gus, and going down to the Ocean's AC to try and get him on our show. He said, Oh, yeah, Thursday's good. Well, now I know why Thursday's good, because he's going to do early Thursday with us and late Thursday night with us. When I say us, I mean Jacob Media down at uh, Oceans in AC. So uh, Mike Mike Quick will be on. The Eagles, they better. uh, McMahon just, well, maybe in the second round, our draft guy we had on in our number one stuff. Well, there's depth in it. I want one of those four best wide receivers, Johnny Mac. If they wait till the second round, I'm sorry, there's a drop off. They may get it right. They may get a great player. It's not always. You know, the I best think player. Washington might help you out because I, I I mentioned it early in the show, so I ended. I hear a lot of Chris Olave talk with Washington, or even Drake London, and very little Garrett Wilson talk. So maybe Garrett Wilson falls to you at at 15. But I still think, and Tim McManus brought this up as well. I think if the Eagles can get Jordan Davis, they're going to get Jordan Davis. They will probably go that way, and I'm not knocking the pick because I think Davis has a chance to be a special player. But for 2022, the Eagles need help at wide receiver now. The Eagles are going to need help at the defensive tackle position down the road, as in maybe drastic help if both Hargrave and Cox are done at the end of this year. But they've got guys who can certainly handle the, the position this season. They it's Zach Pascal. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that plenty. I still got two days to change my mind, though, Jody. Maybe you'll change my mind. 
Still got two shows. I'm a uh, skill position uh, guy. What can I tell you? Partner, uh, will we do this again tomorrow? Let's do it. We'll be right back here in two and two. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. It will determine the outcome of this season for the next five years and beyond before a down is ever played. Welcome to the Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special, live on 6abc.com from Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Let's go, Philly. Let's get this draft show underway. Live from Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City, E-A-G-L-E-S. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.